It ain't no thing, but it's Seanathan. What, what is this? I don't, because I, I call you Seanathan Taylor Thomas all the time. So it ain't no thing, but it's Seanathan. I got to make that a song. And then it's a song about you. And then you can like Aww. listen to it when I die. And then you're like, hey, oh, wow. James loved me. <laughs> yeah. Are you planning? I got mm -hmm. real depressed on a Wheel of Fortune stream last night. I Oh, wait, last night? Yeah. Okay, because I was there, I think it was two nights ago. Yeah, that one I was uh, doing okay on. But the, the CPU, why? the AI in that, truly was just sweeping boards. They got yeah. zero things wrong, and I was just very upset about it. And I was like, that's my life. I'm on a little upswing, but it's not a real upswing. It's just that bag from American mm -hmm. Beauty. Think of if it went up a little bit, and you're like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. And then just yeah, a yeah. bird shit on it so much. Like, the cloaca was full, and it just mm -hmm. heaping helping. So it could not get up again until it dries out, rains, sure. brings off the, the, the crust and then dries yeah, yeah. out fully of the water so then it can yeah. uplift again just to be shat on of a full-ass cloaca. James, can I make a hypothesis on your brain? What's up? I hate myself. <laughs> well, that's not a hypothesis. That's just... That's been proven. That's been proven through experiment, <laughs> dedicated experimentation. No, I think you got to a point where you're referencing the American Beauty plastic bag and you're yeah. like... This doesn't have enough shit. Hold on. But your brain moves so fast that through your like Rolodex of, all right, what's going to be the best shit to use on this plastic bag? Bird shit. I feel like that's your brain where it's like, I'm going to make something kind of beautiful. But where is all the cum, piss, or shit? Hold on. And God, I wish I had a cloaca so all of that would come out of the same hole, but... Sure. I, as we all do. <laughs> as we all lay awake praying on our knees to our bedside God. We should just start, like, Dar we should poop. enact Darwinism and any mm -hmm. person born with, with more than one hole just bye-bye, so throw them off a cliff, see you later. We're... Your plan is to force evolution yeah. by murdering everyone who doesn't have a cloaca, which is everyone. Yeah, baby. But we'll find okay. We'll start the flying people. But instead of a fly, it's a bird. And just try and focus in on genitalia. James, I'm going to say this as a friend and as a loved one. Yeah, what's up? This Sounds like a rejected L. Ron Hubbard, uh, like, short story. Ooh, baby, I'm Scientologist now. Holy shit, dude. We will create mm -hmm. our own Scientology. It won't be Scientology, yeah. of course. No, It'll be no, like no, no. mysticism. Yeah, and don't listen to this part where we're planning out creating a religion. Because uh -huh. we're then we get there, it's like, oh, it's been here forever. We just discovered um, cloacaism. Cloacaism. Right? Because th it's going to be centered around the idea that humans oh, yeah. should have a cloaca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's our... Cloakens. Cloakens. The cloakening. Have you been cloakened oh yet? Oh, Yo, yes. open your eyes and cloaken to the possibilities. You were meant to poop and come from the same hole. Join us. I might be peeking. I haven't checked. Hold on. I'm cloaked, baby. I'm cloaked as hell. Hell yeah, dude. I was walk. Can I tell you? And then we have <laughs> testimonials. It's like, I don't know, man. I was walking through New York City. I was like in the middle of Queens and I just knew it was wrong. I knew I was a human being, but I, we weren't meant to be this. Human mm -hmm. beings were never meant to be this. Then I saw a bird get fucking railed on the, on the, on the seven line and uh -huh. immediately shit after. Uh -huh. And it's the first time I understood 
I understood my, my place in the universe. I felt seen. I felt whole. I felt cloakened. Let the cloakening come for you. I, I got like the start of a Jacob's Ladder piercing on my penis, but then I also pierced mm-hmm. my taint so I could connect sure. those together. So both mm-hmm. holes are pretty much around at the same angle. So when I when I sit down to poop, the, the pee is pretty much splashing and going on to the log. Sure. And this is so that when you inevitably run into a sexual encounter with Jason Manzukis, he can look at your junk and be like, is this a Jacob Bladder scenario? Yeah, of course. And he will be like, I had to have died already to understand like <laughs> the majesty that's happening right now. James's whole situation downstairs must be an out-of-body experience. It is so transcendent, so mm-hmm. awakened. So, oh man, I didn't know we were going to start a, a, a religion on this podcast. But you know what else we get to start on this podcast? This podcast! Some sweaty time pro wrestling, baby, with one half of your host, me, that is Sean. Hello. Oh, hi. And the other half, hi. And the other half of these podcast hosts. It's me, James. Oh. Did you cry come again? Uh, no, I just cried. I don't know why every time you cry, I think you come. That might no. be a me thing. That's probably more of a me thing. I've never crymaxed. I think I want to. I never have either. But like... So I like, I think I've talked about this before. I love crying. That's like one of my favorite things to do. I should probably cry more, but I do not. That's fair. That's kind of why I love crying is because I spend so much of the time being a night, like a little boy growing up in the nineties thinking like Republicans were cool. Damn, dude. You, I you know. fly as hell. I also did think that. Yeah. And then so it's like, then we get to like today and it's like, man, actually I wish I cried a whole bunch more. I don't know if I was... Have yeah. I told this story to you in... I would have been like nine years old. Lion mm-hmm. King 2 came out, mm-hmm. and I was That's like... That's the oh. uh, Romeo and Juliet uh, Lion King. Yes, and okay. I was like, oh, Dad, I really want... Like, it was the morning time. We were getting ready. Again, I'm eight or nine years old, and I say oh. to my dad, oh, a commercial just came out, and I was like, oh, my God, we got to go rent that. I want to see the Lion King 2, and then my dad goes... If you want to see The Lion King 2, it's Bill Clinton's second term. Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> because he was, like, lying, Wait. and that's why he got oh. in pe- Yeah. I thought he was calling Bill Clinton a giant cat. No, he was calling him, a like, a lion king. Oh, you wanna, king of you the liars. You want to see a grown man take a shit in a box of sand? We might as well watch that Bill Clinton second term. Yeah. Hold on, but what? A child okay. does not understand that joke. No. Well, no. I think, how old were you? Eight or nine. Eight or nine? I think I might have, I feel like I would have, because it's a pun. Don't, hey, don't sell yourself short. You were just at the right age to be indoctrinated by the far right. Hold on, let's see when Lion King 2 came out. Lion King. If you were going to be indoctrinated into any extremist political organization, how do you think they would indoctrinate you? Because I'll say for me, it probably would be puns. That's probably how they'd get me. I guess, like, if they gave me a bunch of money and said, come on, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bribery. <laughs> yeah. Bribery's still good. Hell yeah, I buy that. I would have been seven or six at the time this came out because it came out in 98. When exactly, though? I had just turned seven years old. October okay. 27th, 1998 is when it was released. That makes sense because I remember... That's one of the memories. I feel like 
like there's your earliest memories. And then there's a time where you don't really remember things, but you have like fleeting glimpses mm-hmm. and going with my dad and our, and our, uh, and our whole family and the drive-in. Like nine, because ninety eight was still a pretty good year to be a kid going to the drive in and then playing mini golf before the movie started, and then the movie starts and you're like, I gotta get back to the car. I want to hear what Sim, what adult Simba says now, because I'm so I was so close to him. Okay, well you're, you're this is already off the rails because as everyone knows, Lion King two was direct to video. No, did I was it direct to video? Yeah, I swear I thought I saw that in the film. My are my memories lying to me? Maybe you saw a re release of Lion King. Or maybe, maybe they they had Timon and Pumbaa up on the screen. To, they were like, "Hey, we're showing five episodes of Timon and Pumbaa one mm-hmm. night only." Because I remember not seeing one point five in the theaters at all. I really That's because it was it, that was direct to video as well. Yeah, I knew that was direct to video, but I th- I really thought too was my cloaca may not be as may not be as cloakened as I thought it was. I need to like I don't know. I need to go to I need to go to a cloakening stress test session. Can I suggest something? I think mm-hmm. it was Yesterworld put out a video about the Disney vault. It's on YouTube. Highly suggest it. It's maybe 25, 30 minutes long. So informative and so, so predatory that the Disney vault is. It's insane. Uh, I'm just happy that you're watching something other than BattleBots. Oh, Congratulations. I, guess what? I know you're still watching BattleBots. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm... I. Am caught up fully on BattleBots. Oh my god! It was, How does so it feel? Three, four, five, six, seven. I watched six seasons in one month, and some of those Jeez. are. Uh, but I'm seeking through. If okay. I, if because some of the episodes no, are that that G's was like a, I'm I'm jealous and impressed by the things you've accomplished just now. I'm I just so badly if any of my friends who live in Chicago or maybe a Muskegon friend, if you want or a Detroit friend, if you want to come over for like a day or a weekend and just watch BattleBots, I would love to rewatch the 2021 season with you because that Damn. is one of the best seasons of sport. Well, okay, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I grew up in Buffalo, so I, actually, you know what? That's accurate. I, we've had a not a, we've had a lot of not great seasons. Well, the thing that I I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. Have I told you about my uh, recent renaissance into Marvel? And then we're going to talk about wrestling. I yeah. promise you, beautiful, beautiful people. We'll, we'll talk t- about wrestling. Technically, soon. we'll be talking about one specific album from underground hip hop, then wrestling. Thank you very much. Have I talked? Because I, I don't think I've done it on the podcast. Have I talked to you about Marvel and my no. our, our relationship? Uh. Uh-uh. So I fell off the Marvel Cinematic Universe and kind of all comic book movies right around the time of the first Guardians movie. Okay. It's weird. It's not like I was never into it and then I fell off. No, I was like a huge, as a lot of us were, really really into comics, really into the Marvel movies. I remember like we all, me and my brother saw all the Spider-Mans, uh, the original Tobey Maguire's. We saw Daredevil, the Ben Affleck version, like two or three times in theaters. Uh, you have told me that. And didn't you also, was it Electra? you also saw a bunch? No, I don't think we ever saw Electra. Okay. You've talked about your upbringing on the criminally under-listened to uh, two-part episodes, The Pendulums. Read those comics. They're very good. Yeah. I mean, she, this is my favorite thing ICP has done, are those comics. Oh, yeah. 
But like, yeah, but it was like this, it was like this wild thing that I was like, and I got constantly going to the library to see like what graphic novels, because it was around that time that graphic novels were coming to the library. So that's how I read Frank Miller, Daredevil. I was reading the Ultimates and like, you know, Ultimate, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, what I think I've had Planet Hulk. Old Man Logan, definitely. I was reading comics, more or less, moral of the story. Um, technically, I believe you mean trade paperbacks, not graphic novels. Thank you very much. Trade paperbacks I was reading? Thank you very much. You, you think I was going to be mad at you for nerding out on me, but you know what? I appreciate the correction because that is true and accurate. I, Respect the art. I had a friend, uh, two friends, I forget who was on which side, but it was MC Deep and our friend, the Fed, Chris Fetter, one That's of them. That's a great nickname. I'm sorry, real quick. Shout out to Chris Fed, unless you're a terrible. The Fed is the best nickname I've ever heard for anyone ever. I'm in love. Hold, I'm not done coming from how good of a wrestling name. Coming is to the ring, the fucking Fed. I need to sew up my cloaca. I'm so excited about that nickname. Okay, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Nicole once called him That Fed, so we That's started so calling him That Fed. That's so good. That Fed is even... How did you improve on this nickname <laughs> of which I fell in love with? I can't believe my ears. That's very... Okay, so you and That Fed. So one of them would always say, and I th it must have been That Fed saying this to MC Deep just to make MC Deep mad, saying that The Watchmen is a graphic novel, and then the other saying, no, it's a trade paperback, it came out in single issues, and then they go, mm -hmm. yeah, but on that like collection of all of it, it says like one of the greatest graphic novels ever created, so even they're saying it's a graphic novel, so guess what, it's a graphic novel, and then the back and forth argument non-stop with the two. Yeah, that's why I just said thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. On. Uh, oh, and to make my point. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. We are in the middle of my point. Just a reminder. Yeah, just a yeah. reminder. We are in the middle of my point. So I was ahead. just, I did it to be facetious or whatever. Like, I was not being mm -hmm. serious. I do not care what people call them. Yeah, I mean, I guess I like trade paperback because because there is the art of the graphic novel. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to make, I'm going to go back to my original point, I promise. But like, because because when you, there are there are differences in that like a trade paperback is a series and you pr approach creating a story that's going to continue afterwards and needs to tie in things from beforehand. You you do approach that writing that differently than say a uh, here's a one-off graphic novel like Mouse or uh, V for Vendetta or even and even in the way Watchmen was released as singles but really was still isolated to the Watchmen. So even if it was released in singles, it was still written in a way a graphic novel would be in that it's a longer but isolated story. Yeah, but you can have like a four-ish. So like The Mask, those are all mm -hmm. isolated one stories, like they're miniseries each mm -hmm. like time, but they're still trade paperbacks when you collect them all in one collection. I, I think, I guess like, yeah. And then in that sense, I wouldn't, again, I'm not going to get into a fight. Even though I respect that Fed as a nickname, uh, I think that approach is uh, a, a, a lot of breath. But like in, again, in those instances, I was like, I could see the argument either way. And at the end of the day, you're right. It really doesn't matter. It's all just stories. But all this to say, I fell off the Marvel Universe and I always felt kind of bad because it was such a huge part of like my youth and such a huge thing that me and my brother connected on. Yeah. And... 
I randomly, I was just kind of like browsing through my Disney Plus. I'm like, yeah, I'll check out She-Hulk. Whoa, 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 oh, whoa, whoa, I like, whoa. Uh, yeah. Is it your Disney Plus or someone else's? You don't need to know that answer, and I'll uh, never tell. Uh, I just, I'll never tell. If it's I'll yours, never. I would like the password, and I'll give oh, you a pair. Okay, I'm all right. Sorry. Okay, I, I told it's not it's not mine. But so I was checking out She Hulk, and I was like, you know what? I'm digging this. Oh, I forgot. I really dug comics and the Marvel universe, and oh shit, I'm gonna have to catch up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, aren't I? So I'm going through, I just got to the first Avengers movie. Some of them I'm kind of like skipping through because I've seen them. Yeah. The ones I've never seen, I'm like, I'm watching all the way through. And I'm excited, but like I couldn't do, so you doing BattleBots, being entirely caught up in the history of BattleBots is very impressive because I'm trying to do something very similar and I'm enjoying it, but struggling. I did have the fortunate opportunity that Nicole's parents came to town and BattleBots is normally it's figure or not figure it out. Normally it's Double Dare that we'll have on and it's a good thing for her dad to also watch because it's like basic trivia. But BattleBots is a dad show. So he was down for it. He was just he was getting almost as engaged, a.k.a. pissed off about some of these robots (laughs) as I was. But then I was (laughs) I was able to, like, message him afterwards of like, hey, remember such and such bot two seasons after they get really fucking good. And he was like, oh, finally. Yeah, I've been I've been a stand for this bot for ages. Which is always a good feeling. There was one called Tantrum that the first two seasons it was in just sucked. And then yeah. went to the semifinals in their third season. Like, was just, they, they figured out their, like, the gimmick was like, oh, this sucks. They don't have this, like, wheeled in. But once they did, it was almost unstoppable. Dude, I'm, like, I, I brought up briefly, and I'll bring it up again and again and again. It is 90% of my personality. Growing up, growing up in Buffalo, specifically during the Buffalo Bills 18 year playoff drought and then seeing them. It's a huge feeling of this this team or this athlete that I love and I support. And I probably tie more of my personality to the success of this athlete than is healthy by compare by mental health standards. And then when they finally do it, when they finally when Mick Foley finally wins the WWF title. This guy that everyone said doesn't belong here. Oh, mm-hmm. he looks like my uncle. Yeah. All he does is fall off cages. Hey, man, first of all, fuck you. That dude's cardio was insane. And also could lift and could go and could fit in any style. Mick Foley's a goddamn athlete, first of all. Second of all, you know, if that means you're not here for all of us on this beautiful party bus, this this Summer of George party boat cruise liner ro- roaming down the Chicago River, you're not on board? That's a bummer, bud, because we're having the time of our lives celebrating tantrum, getting to the semifinals, blowing loads out of our cloaca, and having the sweatiest, pro-wrestlingiest time of our lives. Welcome to Sweaty Times of Pro Wrestling with Sean and James. We're talking about season one, episode three, which we'll get to, but first, uh, James... What's the what about the underground a bigger the week? I'm Italian now. Congratulations. Wow, you are Marciniac. I love that. Also, I do want to just say remember to everyone out there who lives in Buffalo that the Bills do poorly on purpose to bring families together. 
Shout out that Joe Para bit. It's classic. Yeah. But it doesn't, but real quick, it also doesn't, it's one of my favorite Para bits. It doesn't work anymore. They're legitimately like one of the top teams of the NFL. It's so weird growing up and not being able, we have to start this podcast. Uh-huh. James, great Joe Para reference. What's happening in the underground? This week, we are out of the Midwest and into the Mid-Atlantic East Coast, also south, depending on who and when you're asking, because we're in Richmond, Virginia. No, get out of here, Steve Barnes. Get out of here. Get. Are you okay? But also by way (laughs) of Berkeley, California, so many stipulations Mm. on this, because we're talking about sword plays paperwork. Sean, have you ever heard of swordplay? Absolutely not. Exactly. And more people need to know about him. Yeah. Because this album is a fucking masterpiece. It was released September 2019. Paperwork is Swordplay's first album since relocating from Richmond, Virginia to Berkeley, California to study law. It serves as a personal recounting of his times in law school while also being social commentary on our own government and the systems put in place by the United States of America. Go red, white, and blue. I'm kidding. This is uh, this album. (laughs) It doesn't really say that. Real quick because I was drinking water. So this is like right after he got out of law school or while he was attending law school? Well, he was, but finished when he got out. So like he got his yes. uh, jur- Jurdis doctor. It's the th- like, hey, you can practice law now. That's Dimitri, that's Dimitri Martin level shit of like, I'm going through law school. One of the harder schools you could school for. And I'm also writing this magnum opus fucking album. That's insane. Yeah. And that's, it. Damn it, play. It's all about that it is about the american experience within the law the legal system it's like so depressing at times but let's yeah. let's keep getting that into sounds, this that sounds like american legal system uh-huh, uh-huh. i buy that all tracks and real quick i'm curious was he right did he know he was he was like he wanted to be a musician he wanted to be a rapper first or was did he start law school and then kind of find this other passion. So I'll get into that okay. later on because uh, I, I got some blurbs written up. Groovy. I found Swordplay because I had gotten into Idea and Abilities, their album, By the Throat, shortly after Franklin passed away, which was exactly what I needed at that time. There's a line. I found him because KRS-One made a video or made a post of saying like, hey, Idea was one of the best battle rappers in the world. Like, if you haven't heard this freestyle, you should check him out. And I was like, well, let's see if he has albums because I'm not really into like battle stuff. But he passed away, I think, in like 20. 10 and was like very prolific for the time but this album by the throat is the only thing that i'm like i can get down with it because it is more introspective and talking about struggles and trauma all of that but the first song the last verse is him talking about putting down his his dog and at the time i was like holy fuck like this is exactly what i needed but Yeah, yeah yeah i needed more exactly what I needed stuff, which was technical more than competent hip hop that I enjoy, but also dissecting trauma, depression, and other inward looking themes. Luckily, during uh, many of my three month free trials of Spotify and, you know, of 
all the I have n- I've had throughout the entire time we've been doing shuffling the deck I have not paid for any music streaming service because I just keep bouncing around baby I am a mark and a fool uh-huh for how much money I spent to listen to the ICP discography Ooh, baby still available on the Marsland Media podcast uh, feed yeah, where you're listening to animals this. shut the fuck up James true just just scroll down so uh, it's because the algorithm is very good on Spotify, uh, mm-hmm. it was like, hey, if you like By the Throat, you should check out Swordplay, which I did. That led me to his song Tilt from his debut EP, Tilt. And I fell in love with his, like, he has a very melodic rapping flow, borderline on singing, that sounds like a less gruff version of the J-Hex project for any horrorcore dudes out there. It's a lot of internal rhymes and focus on introspective conscious rap, but the good kind of conscious rap, not the, yo, man, the government is trying to kill us and mainstream rap is trying to control you. That type of corny raps that act like they aren't cornmeal, but they're like, oh, my God, it's it's the Midwest fields of corn. Yeah, I'm hiding the fact that I enjoy that cornball shit. Hiding Man. the fact that I enjoy that cornball shit. Because okay. it's, it's just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and I agree with you. Uh, but this led yes. me to his second <laughs> album, Tap Water, which he, mm-hmm. the producer on that was like a French producer. It's very good. And after watching the Guar documentary that came out last month on Shudder, the Richmond music scene is dope. And from my outward looking from the people that I know, like Intro Void, a.k.a. Steve Barnes, seeing this documentary that Guar did and this individual, it seems like it's so grimy, but in such an artistic way that like you can feel the grime, but it doesn't look like grime. It's it's very good. However, that led to his most recent project, Paperwork. It's fantastic. The production is great and the concepts are original as not a lot of rappers have law degrees. So he's able to talk about stuff no one really else is in hip hop. Yeah, which is always very cool. It's one of the things because I know Dimitri Martin like more and it's very interesting to see those parallels where Dimitri Martin's not necessarily writing jokes about law, Mm -hmm. but the way he structures his jokes is in a very almost formalized, like you can, you see the influences and the fact that no one else is really doing it like Dimitri Martin, like the the artist's name was Swordplay, correct? Yes. Or like no one else is doing it like that because it does... It's a different sort of analytical mind to go through, interpret, and like real and cite these old school laws and mm-hmm. like how you how you research it, how you present the facts. It is a very it becomes fresh because yeah, I like that, and especially with something like conscious rap. Like I'll say, I like Demetri Martin. There's nothing really conscious about Demetri Martin. It's yeah. just good jokes. But being able to like know, and I can really. I mean, fuck. It's like if you ever follow Tom Morello, guitarist from Rage Against the Machine, on Twitter. And then and you're like, oh yeah, this dude is a Harvard political science degree holder. Yeah. And like all and you hear it and you'll hear it in rage songs and you'll hear it on his Twitter. And it's feel and it's it's just I don't know. I always like listening. That's why I like journalistic entertainment. I love listening <laughs> to things that are entertaining. Like it's meant like like the first sort of mode is entertainment, but I love learning shit. Yeah. I was filming the day. The reason I brought up Summer of George is a is a party boat you can rent out here uh, to go down the Chicago River. I was filming something down like by the river 
And I remember the summer of George boat goes by and it's like a wedding party and it's insane. Dude, this shit is fucking bumping. Everyone's twerking. Grandma's twerking. There's a, there, there, there's a tiny uh, a doll that came to life out of a cupboard in a cum jar. They're twerking. Everyone's twerking. And then immediately after, there's like three more boats and they're just... Well, if you look to the left, you can see this famous building that was burned up. <laughs> And I got to say, like, I was on board for both. There was a, uh, my friend was next to me. He's like, yo, man, that sucks for that second boat. I'm like, I like that second boat too. Yeah. I like learning. Learning is very, it's just fun to me. I don't know. It's a little, it's a little adventure. It's a little adventure your mind goes on and then comes back stronger. I've taken those tours. I think. They're cool as hell. Probably. I remember one time I, I, I followed around a woman who was looking for crack uh, on the west side of Buffalo. That was kind of like a tour. An educational tour of the west side of Buffalo. I know I've done the weird, uh, I think almost all of the weird Chicago tours. Yeah. Those are great. Guys, check out Weird Chicago. You can learn about haunted places and places others have murdered individuals. Hooray. But uh, let me, yes. so he, he started a while ago and I think was in college. Then as his rapping career progressed, so did his academia career. So then I think eventually went into law school. But here are my recommendations for this album. First is the opening song, Time for Law. It is about how the legal system in the United States of America is a hole you can only dig your way out of with heaps of cash. Baby, this is true. This is not wrong. It's very, wow. there's there's lines wow. that like haunt me in it of like, I've hung out with activists and represented them when they punched fascists. There's a like a verse about rubbing shoulders with anyone, including rich people who are just paranoid and you think they have everything, but eventually will commit suicide in their multi-million dollar mansions because richness didn't help them. A lot of like, it's a heavy song, but another heavy song is Soviet television. And I would suggest listening to it than watching the music video because it's a song critiquing Soviet propaganda on TV during the 80s. And the music video is great because it shows a newscast where the United States during, I think, like late 80s, early 90s, aired a chunk of that Soviet programming that was truly like anti-American, anti-capitalist propaganda, which is like, yeah, you should probably do that. But If you're trying to pollute someone's mind into a way of thinking, I think that's always bad instead of just be like, this is what it's like in America instead of like kind of overblowing it and just showing like there's a crack epidemic and AIDS and all of that. You don't want to go there. That's the nice thing about being because we're journalistic in entertainment, but we're not propaganda journalistic. Mm-hmm. Inter- like that's where our journalistic morals come through. We'll present you the facts, baby. We're all just we're also just going to start a religion based on cloacas yeah. as well. We could, yeah, but we'll give you the facts about it. Next is Osala. I think out of all the songs, Sean, you should check this one out. It's a short Osala. guitar folk song. About him. He sings very well, so it's like it's not cringy and it's so well produced. It's him as a lawyer. The story is him as a lawyer representing an off the grid communist that from my interpretation goes into the grass is always greener. Of this individual longing for a communist nation, well, those in a communist nation longing for ours. It's a beautiful song. It's performed so well. 
Sean, you should check this out. And on our Discord, I've been posting at least one song from each of these albums to be like, hey, I told you to listen to this. It's easy. Just click on it now. And my last rec is my most listened to one. It's Creature of the 80s. It's just dope. There's a line in it that says, for a decade I've been at the same party and there's some norms I'm starting to forget. I'm assuming he's talking about academia. How it ends is sung beautifully. I can only properly rate this as Goro from Mortal Kombat because I (laughs) need two more thumbs to give it four thumbs up. That's a hard recommendation. All right, that's awesome. Thank Swordplay. Y'all, that sounds great. I'm excited to check that out. You should. Almost as excited as I am to get back to the temple for season one, episode three, Cross the Border. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we even start it, James, initial thoughts on this episode. This was so fucking good. This is, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, this, I think I, did I message you saying it sucks that this show doesn't exist anymore? No, but I agree. Like, one, that new episodes aren't being aired, and two, that it isn't easily accessible. Yeah. Archive.org is iffy, but I, like, legally accessible. Mm-hmm. Again, I feel like this is the most... I mean, we're using the word accessible too many times in a row, but that this is like visually and storyline and everything, the most accessible wrestling show for a new wrestling fan. Mm -hmm. It's ironic that the most accessible wrestling show isn't actually very accessible in the literal sense. Yeah. Uh, You have to like go through archive.org. There's got to be some tips and tricks to get there. But like it really, I think, yeah, it sets up everyone because they're bringing over a lot of AAA talent, they're sort of introducing them for the first time, so they take the time to do that. This is also, and we'll get to it, but spoilers, if you're a wrestling fan, and you're, or like a little bit, and you're familiar with the names Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, this is their American debut. Their American television debut Ooh, is this episode. Fuck, man. And, Joe, we will talk about that. We got, a, we got a bunch of other good shit to get to, but we will talk about that. Damn, I fucking love that I match. I loved this episode. I loved that match, dude. I love so much. Uh, so let's break it down piece by piece. According to Cage Batch, and I, cause I, I'm going to start ad- adding this because I think some of them are interesting. The Dark Match, which is a match that is not televised. This, this is the warm-up. This is the job James tried to get me to do, but I think it's better done by these two wrestlers. King Cuerno goes over Martin Casal uh, via Countout, which I just thought was interesting because King Cuerno is Santos Escobar, who today just left NXT, the WWE developmental program, and is looking to go to the main roster. He is the leader of Legados de Fantasmo, de Fantasio, ah, fuck, LDF. And they're fuck. They're just a dope ass criminal organization of really good wrestlers. Santos Escobar is awesome. So excited to see him get this call up. And Martin Casal, the guy he beat, I follow on Twitch and is a really nice dude. It seems. Hell yeah. So yeah, that was a cool little dark match. Then with the actual episode starts, we get the recap. If you're just joining us for this episode, Chavo grunted and insulted himself by tapping out. So Cuerto brings in Mill to kill Demon and Chavo. He's a piece of trash. He jumps Mill and Conan warns Puma to stay away from Mundo. That's what they're that's what they were that's what they're reminding us as the episode goes underway. First scene is uh, Conan in Cuerto's office. He does a little peep uh, the blinders down, stares at the audience who are like on their feet, they're cheering. The temple is a groovy place to be, baby. Mhm. I will say them doing that, and there are times when 
our owner has an office up top and down below. So I don't know where in relation his office is most of the time when they are filming scenes in that office. I, there's one point I'll get to very clearly where I have a, I have a theory for it. I have, my theory is that there are two doors to that office. I thought you were going to say there are two dorks. There are two dorks in that office, Conan (laughs) and Dario Cueto. (laughs) Conan, you son of a bitch, you're still better than Chavo. Me and Vampiro fucking hate Chavo. Vampiro's my best friend. Fucking whoop whoop. Clown love for life, baby. Cueto, also Cueto kind of clearly, and I'm not saying the actor, I'm saying the character, very clearly just hit a line before the cameras turned on. Oh, damn. Did you pick up on that? Did you pick up on any of these? Like, he's giving a lot of, like, like, coke tells. Oh, no. I would say he's, he's, he, he, like, in this scene specifically, he'll, like, rub his nose right after something. He has that sort of, like, if you're real high and you're confident and nervous, like, if you're high on an upper, you get kind of confident but very paranoid. So you almost lean back and everything kind of goes up a little bit. And you're just, like, like Conan's telling him, this scene, Conan is telling him that he's bringing in the best luchadors in Mexico, uh, Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., and Drago. Ooh. They're quote, on point like a decimal. And then Cueto, and this is where I pick up on Cueto, who's kind of like, uh, so uh, the, the the visa problems, uh, is, that, uh, taken, uh, is that taken care of? I'm just like, this dude is very much on cocaine. Okay. But also a good owner to check on, like, yeah, I want to make sure all my wrestlers are at the arena. Conan uh, makes ice his little bitch because he doesn't say <laughs> they don't have visa problems, just that he handles it. Uh, Conan is the laugh is that laughing meme of the dude who's like, we'll build ladders. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These people deserve Phoenix, Pentagon Jr. and Drago. They're going to get them. I love it. Also, he describes them. They stay ready so they don't have to get ready. Yeah. Hefe. Yo, Quato, and Quato books it. Triple threat match. Main event. Determine whom among the three best luchadors is, is the best fighter in the world. Yeah, who can take out Mundo? Who can take out Guerrero? Who can take out that ding-dang Blue Demon Jr.? Yeah, for true. For true. Who can take... Ugh, Chavo Guerrero tapped out. I fucking hate... He tapped <gasps> out! How the hell do I hate him? I hate him. We cut, uh, so from, from the back office, we cut to the introduction at the desk with Stryker and Vampiro. Uh, Stryker greets us, reminds us about Damon's terrible injury. Vampiro updates, he's stable. Blue Damon Jr. is stable, but in the hospital. And then we have Cueto. Yes. Also, uh, they keep saying, like, our doors are open to anyone in combat sports. They keep bringing up boxers. Will yeah. we see a boxer in the ring? I won't know that. Fuck, I'm trying to think. What year did Floyd Mayweather do WrestleMania? I have no idea. Because I wonder if, if this is around that time. I'm going to look that up. I Because I don't know. Again, I, I, I only watched I only watched Lucha Underground kind of casually. It's why I'm so excited to do this podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's because I don't know. But uh, like, because there are, I mean, actually yesterday, Tyson Fury, the uh, heavyweight boxing champion, was at WWE's Clash at the Castle. He was involved in the main event. He punched Austin Theory in the face. And then, quick tangent, because this is the weirdest close. This is the main event. This is the end of the show. Roman Wayne, Roman Waynes? The, the, the missing Waynes brother, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roman Reigns cheats but holds onto his title to defeat the hometown boy, Drew Galloway. This is the first time WWE has been in England in th- literally 30 years. Damn, that's as old as me. 
I know it's been it's been so long. And it's they been a still, whole James since they've been there. It's been a whole James since they've been there, and it's so sad. And it's, and it's it's like this. It was this weird choice because like he's the hometown. This this would have been a huge pop. They keep referencing SummerSlam '92, which is when British Bulldog went over to England to win his first inter- Intercontinental title. It was a beautiful thing, but like it's weird that so he didn't win. Uh, but Tyson Fury does jump the barricade after the match to sing American Pie at fucking Drew. This giant man, Drew Galloway, dude, uh, or yeah, Drew just lost, Drew McIntyre just lost his chance at the title. He lost in front of his family, his friends, and everyone. But it's okay because here's giant boxer Tyson Fury to sing Don McLean classic Bye Bye Miss American Pie at him. Wrestling's weird. Floyd Mayweather was at WrestleMania 24, which I think is before this. Probably. Uh, yeah, 2008. So, they, so like, yeah, boxing, boxers have been involved in wrestling. There, there was also that really, really poor planned where they had boxers and wrestlers fighting each other. The uh, Brawl for All. Yeah. Uh, which was initially, it was just wrestlers boxing each other. And then the guy, the guy they wanted to win didn't win. Instead, Bart Gunn won, who's a great wrestler but wasn't their dude. So they put him in a match with Butterbean, who legitimately knocked him the fuck out. And yeah, like everything good. about that was real bad. But yeah, so there's, there's, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if boxing comes to Lucha Underground. I would like to say we, we've been talking about the story of each match, and I think I know the story of at least this story arc that we're having, and that is both the meek shall prevail slash... Never underestimate. You can be an asshole, but never underestimate your opponent because that that hubris is what will make you lose. That's yes. And actually, that's going to play into something in this first match. That's a very astute observation, James. Mm-hmm, if I mm-hmm. had, if I was near you and had a cookie in my fingers, I would place it delicately into your mouth because it was you did a very good job. I'm off sweets, though. You are. That's true. Um, a nice uh, granola snack. As long as it doesn't have sweets in it, uh, added sugar, I'm cool with it. No, I'm, I'm thinking like like tasty and fibery. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. I, I'll feed that delicately to you for for a very good job. Thank uh, you. Well, Quato comes out of the office. Well, uh, can I actually say something? That is yes. the Cloacan's body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That is the, Cloa- the Cloacan's body of Christ is a tasty, fibery treat. Because it helps uh, you like <laughs> really push through your Cloaca. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and yeah, strong cloaca is a confident cloaca, mm-hmm. and that's that's key. That's key here, the temple of cloaca. Uh, but let's get back to the temple of Lucha Underground, uh, where Cueto comes out of his office, the one right next to the ring, because we don't know how many offices this dude has. Yeah, and the thing that I was surprised by, he like he he goes into the ring, he takes a microphone. It's just a spotlight, so everything's pretty dark. And there's just a dude with a mask walking around in the dark in the ring. <laughs> Nobody mentions him. Nobody's like, all of a sudden, Quato's just like, Quato comes out. He's been reading Twitter complaints, apparently. Uh, he gets like very, like, this is again where I don't think the actor is, but the character is definitely on. He's got that cocaine paranoia. Like he literally goes, "I've been reading. The, I've been reading what you've been saying. There's not enough lucha. There's not enough lucha. There's not enough lucha." Like in a very unhinged, like there's nothing confident in the way he's addressing these complaints that there's not enough lucha in yeah. lucha in uh, lucha underground. So he brings in a brand new a brand new fella. Let Dario Cueto present El Mariachi Loco. 
at who who the that's who the guy walking around in the dark is. <laughs> but again, I just yeah, this guy this is a clearly a mega star. If this is how they introduce him in the dark, while Dario Cueto Cueto has the uh, spotlight. Yeah, Cueto discovered. I like the, I like the line also. Where he's like, I discovered him myself down the street at my favorite Mexican restaurant. They are setting this guy up for absolute stardom, and I love it. <laughs> maybe he, he he goes on. Maybe and maybe after the match, if he wins, he'll play a nice song for you all. And the crowd starts chanting, "Play a song, play a song." And you kind of see both of their faces going, "Shit, we don't have we don't have uh, room in the budget for instruments." We sure don't. Uh, no, we're just gonna fight, but it's cool. Trust me. Where is El Cabong at? Truly, this is a poor man's El Cabong, and I won't stand for it. On Jellystone, the, the the last episode, Augie Doggy needs a bedtime story, so everyone from the town tries to tell her a bedtime story. And in a montage, you see like El Cabong is telling a story, and then it goes into a thought bubble, and you see him as a young little man dressed up in like his Sunday's best with his parents in their Sunday's best walking out of a theater into an alley and Nicole and I are like no 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 that is not that is not allowed that is not allowed to be the origin I'm I look I look over my levels because I can feel myself emotionally peaking I look at my voice like oh I'm also vocally peaking as well all right so thank I don't think El Mariachi Loco. I think his origin story is that he w- he works at Dario Cueto's favorite restaurant down probably. the street, and then he ki- he probably killed somebody's parents. That's not the point. The point <laughs> is he has a match, <laughs> and this is where I'm going. We're gonna take a quick side trip here, for he is wrestling a fairly like a fairly well known and important mask in the history of lucha of uh, lucha libre, Mascarita Sagrada. Now uh, before we get into the I got. I got a little bit of history. If you don't mind me putting putting up with this a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Because there's a little bit of history here. Uh, James, are you familiar at all with the Mini Estrella division? I, I mean, as much as someone who doesn't watch wrestling but has watched wrestling knows about it. Great. Uh, so we're going to – so we'll walk through it. Uh, this is a, a brief history focusing on Mexican uh, mini wrestling, also known as midget wrestling. And uh, – I did look around for a long time to check the like the political correctness of this term. According, I mean, I think both are interchangeable. I do know uh, promotions like Micro Championship Wrestling and Extreme Midget Wrestling, which are modern day promotions that focus on the mini wrestling, refer to it in all their promotional materials as this. So they they're interchangeable. Well, uh, I believe Vampiro gave some turns for it. Uh, because uh, Stryker was like, what, what's the PC terms for this? And Vampirio I love this. I goes, love this exchange. Oh, what, what's it, what does he say? Okay, I'll, it's in my notes. Uh, yeah, Stryker's, well, what's the politi- politically correct term here? Uh, fun. Rock and roll, dude. And uh, that's also the PC term of shitting in Chavo's gym bag. Chavo, you piece of trash. I fun swear to God. Fun and rock and roll, guys. I'm going to have some fun and rock and roll all over your legend-hating ass. How dare mm-hmm. you? You tapped out, you coward. Uh, so 
the 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 history of min, of minis and midget wrestling dates back to the origins of professional wrestling. It it, it comes from America. This isn't a wrestling is famously an American art form. As professional wrestling, as we understand it, you know, some of it starts over in England, but takes off in the Carnies, in the Carnies circuit and the uh, vaudeville circuit. Yeah. Uh, mini mini wrestling, especially in vaudeville. And it has its height, its golden age in America in the 1950s, uh, bleeds into the 1960s, doesn't really come over to Mexico until the 1970s, which is where it really it, it takes off. It's huge in the 70s to only cool off in the 80s due to the scene suffering from a lack of new stars. Mm-hmm. Right. So like they, like they, they really had an absolute draw. People wanted to see this style. They wanted to see the minis wrestle, but they didn't bother building anyone new. Uh, so the 80s kind of suffered until 1989, where Antonio Pena would start the Mini Estrella division while booking for CMLL. Mini Estrella translating to star, the Mini Star division. And this was a division specifically for smaller statured wrestlers. And, and, they, and they were finally building new stars, like the original Mascarita Sagrada, and writing them actual storylines. Like in the 80s, it was kind of becoming an afterthought. Maybe we'll put one on the... Almost like how WCW kind of treated the cruiserweight division sometimes, where like it, like sometimes it would just be a great cruiserweight match, or TNA would treat the X division. Here's a great match that has zero storyline built into it. We're not focusing yeah. on any people. It's just, no, like Pena goes out of his way to build stars, to write them storylines, to like create this really successful division. And, and absolutely takes off. The problem is, and, and, and this is CMLL, which is owned by Paco Alonso. And while Antonio Pena is a booker, the head booker, uh, Herrera, takes a very different approach. Uh, so in the early 90s, Pena's booking style favored younger and faster fighters. He wanted to make stars. Guys like Conan, actually, the gentleman who uh, is on point like a decimal, Octagon and uh, Mascara Sagrata, who is the re- uh, Mascarita Sagrata, is based on Mascara Sagrata. Mascara Sagrata translating to sacred mask. And not just younger guys, but also faster paced, maybe more lightweight. Kind of when Americans hear the term lucha libre, they expect this high flying technical style. That's what Pena is pushing. That's mm-hmm. Pena. Herrera, however, mainta- wanted to maintain this old school with established but older heavyweights guys they like yeah are a cemented draw but might be on the downswing of their career yeah alonzo sided with herrera and started ignoring pena more and more until in 1992 pena would leave cmll and form triple a whoa triple a being the company where like literally lucha underground is based entirely lucha underground is sort of an unofficial subdivision of triple a yeah all these guys, all the, the three main event guys, all come from AAA. A lot of the talent you see here tonight come from AAA. Damn, that's like uh, mm-hmm. Disney saying, see you later, Katzenberg. And he's like, all right, DreamWorks. V- verbatim, exactly. And as Pena leaves, he a lot of the talent goes with him, including Mascara, including Conan, and a lot of the mini, uh, the, the mini Australia division, including the top, the top star, the John Cena of the Mini Australia Division, Mascaria Sagrada, like and 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 several others, his uh, top rival Espacrito, they all jumped to AAA 
But CMLL maintains their mini-Australia division because, again, now it's in, these, in this early 90s, it's a success. It's been successfully revitalized to the point that, like, so now we have it in CMLL, we have it in AAA. There's a couple other, other promotions in Mexico that are like, people like this. People like this fast-paced, smaller style. Let's keep pushing it. To, like, in the, like, in the 90s, comes all the way back around to the WWF, uh, where we see... Dink the Clown, who is a noted uh, mini wrestler, Claude Giraud, and Masquerita Sagrada is in the WWF. He's repackaged as Nova, but like that's how that's how much minis has had, had come back in the '90s. That actually Nova fills in like last minute for Brian Pillman at Bad, Bad Blood '97 when they found Pillman's uh, body, unfortunately, in the hotel. That match, that's Sagrada. That's that's Masquerita Sagrada. And it's just how much like Pena's like desire to push smaller wrestlers and to push this underdog storytelling, but to not not to overlook, not to doubt the underdog and these younger guys that can go. It all like all of that's so tied in. And for us to see Masquerita Sagrada, this is the sixth Masquerita Sagrada. This is a mask that is passed down, but has so much legacy tied to it. Is again like Lucha Underground is very accessible. You don't need to know any of this when you're first going into it. But yeah. if you're a nerd, if you're a nerd like me, you just like learning shit. It's so cool how this like you can you can watch this and just appreciate and just like have fun. Or and if you want to dig dig a little bit, there's just there's a lot of history tied to this match. I bet there's a lot, or at least I would hope there would be a lot of YouTube videos of like ranking each individual for these like legacy masks of like hey there's six of these who was the best one and then I'm like hey let's rank yeah. them i'm sure there are i mean i know some of them are hard because like original tiger mask is tiger mask that's the i mean that's the reason we have king in the tekken games that's yeah. like he and he and he revolutionized japanese wrestling to include so much more of the high-flying technical Lucha Libre uh, styles that we see in Mexico. And that that revolutionized Japanese wrestling. But Mizuharu Masawa, the arguably greatest ace in the history of aces, even more than Stone Cold Steve Austin, even more than John Cena, Mizuharu Masawa was also a tiger mask. So it's like, how do you judge that? Like, the original tiger mask might have been more tiger mask, but Misawa is still Misawa. I'm sure there are many a think pieces. Maybe we'll do one when we when we run out of episodes and we're struggling <laughs> struggling to put a podcast together. But yeah, so the match tonight is El Mariachi Loco, the guy Dario Cueto found at his favorite restaurant down the street. Didn't even travel. I don't think he even hopped in his car. Just walked, found a guy and put him in a mask versus the legendary, the historically significant, the immortal Mascarita Sagrada. Mini Estrella legend. And the match is about to take away. I love And a Mascarita, by the way, I don't know if you, did you clock Mascarita's uh, entrance music at all? No. Very triumphant. I couldn't like actually pick it, but it was just like, you know, like normally you get these like, pump up the jams, pump up the jams, Limp Biscuit, yeah. And then Mascarita comes out to like the beginning of a Pixar movie. It's so like, it whelms and it's mm -hmm. triumphant. And I feel like, I feel like I just, I just won the Olympics and I looked at the crowd and my dad was there and he was crying a single tear. And I'm like, I haven't seen you in three years. You went out for milk and you never came back. And he said, I'm back now, boy. It felt like that. It was very good music. Mm -hmm. 
That that would be like in I watched this movie called Death Screams, and it was a movie that did not know what it wanted to be. It was a horror movie, but in the middle, it was a rom com, and the music is like fanfare, orchestra, rock and roll, hillbilly, and like horror synth. It, it just there was no Ooh. continuity Ooh. with anything. Yeah, but <laughs> part of that sounded very interesting, but then like mashed together, it sounds like the KFC, mm-hmm. I, go fuck yourself, Patton Oswalt joke bowl. Oh no, but Horror Synth sounds like fucking awesome. Before we get into this, James, uh, initial thoughts on uh, El Mariachi Loco versus Mascarita Sagrada. I loved every single match in this episode. It, they all had great spots. There was one of those things where you know... One of them's a very good wrestler, Mascarita. You can see he's on the ground. Actually, this happened in multiple matches. Is on the ground after being slammed and is supposed to be like knocked unconscious. But the camera pans up to to the other dude climbing the ropes, but you can see Mascarita kind of shimmy closer to that corner. So he'll yeah. be at, like the the spot will actually land. Which I, I appreciate. Some of the, some of the uh, nobody's perfect in wrestling. And I'd rather have you take the time to break the illusion a little bit to make sure mm-hmm. it's safe. Yeah. As opposed to like, no, oh, I'm on TV, brother. I'll make it look good, brother. Like, uh, yeah, it was El Mariachi Local, who's been around. I, I was looking up their uh, cage match stats. And it's interesting because I really liked uh, the Masquerita here. He seems to have only been Mascarilla Sagrada for Lucha Underground. Wait, he's done UCB's cage match? Yep, that's the cagematch.net I'm referencing. And that's a joke that all six of our listeners are going to fucking foam at the mouth over. Oh boy, I don't even know if it's six anymore. No, listen, the improv to professional wrestling <laughs> Venn diagram. Not as big as you'd think it'd be, oh, no, but I mean, it should from, be. From shuffling the deck to this, I don't oh, yeah. think... It's even six anymore. No, that I know also, but we um, need, we're doing the podcast anyway. Someone needs to promote this, Sean. You and me. Uh, yeah, if anything, <laughs> it should be you now because you're the one in the wrestling worlds. I'm working on it. And so the story of the match is Mariachi Loco does not take Mascarita Sagrada seriously, which again... This mask has been around since 1989. This is a, but it's the first time on American television, maybe. Like, again, we've, like, when he came to WWF, he was repackaged as Nova. So we're not familiar, as American audiences at, as a large are not familiar with Mascarita Sagrada. Sean, th- um, that mask is as old as you. It, it, a little bit older than me, actually. What, when were you born? I was born 1990, Daddy. About what, what month? July. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. When sperm touches egg, that's when life happens, baby. Anyway, this does not make it to the cloakened. When the sperm actually goes inside the literal egg, when it's, you know, that hard-shelled egg is uh, fertilized outside of the cloak. Speaking of fertilized, Mariachi's head gets fertilized by Sagrada's foot in the first moments of the match. Like a, a fucking corkscrew Enziguri. Enziguri is the jumping kick that kicks you in the side of the head. And like it's, it's like one thing to jump in the air and kick someone in the side of the head. That looks cool. To do a full like 360 degree corkscrew spin and kick someone in the head, that's how you start a match. That's how you open up a show, baby. First half is all Masquerita. He hits spot, spot, ends in a suicida. 
And then uh, Stryker as the politically correct term here, fun. Rock and roll, dude. Hell yeah. True. Uh, Mariachi gets, uh, goes, goes for a cutoff, uh, hits a cutoff, goes for a pin. And this was the thing that a little, clearly there was a lack of communication. So he hits the pin. It's a two count. And Masquerita kicks out at two. But Mariachi goes to like kind of like lift him up, kind of like a, oh, I'm not going to pin him yet, which is like a kind of a classic, I'm bigger than you and I'm not taking you seriously. Yeah. But again, because Lucha Underground is tied to AAA. They're very vocal about their ties to AAA and constantly to their ties to Lucha Libre as a culture, to the history of Lucha Libre. Masquerita is a, this is a legendary mask. This is a very... You can afford to let Masquerita kick out at two to make him look stronger. Like, I, I, like, I didn't like that uh, Mariachi was like, I need to protect myself by picking him up at two because clearly that shitty tilt-a-world power slam would have finished the match. Like, but how, cool, how much cooler would it have been if it was just Masquerita kicking out at two, Mariachi going, oh no, this guy's stronger than I thought. But no, that's that goes against the... Uh whole story of this entire thing which is if you disrespect you are going to lose and I think that's a good way it feels like the American audience they're like oh they're not going to respect our culture so we're going to display people not respecting the culture and they are losing the thing about that I agree I agree with that that that's the theme I will say that story had already been told in the opening moments. The opening moments is him disrespecting and then Masquerita getting in a lot of offense. By that point, we have that story. As, as it is now, again, if, if he was a new wrestler, if he wasn't a legend, if this wasn't a historically significant mask, I would agree with you. But because of the historical significance, yeah. But didn't that go from him picking him up to the, the choking to the pin? We'll get to that. I love that finish, by the way. Like, yeah, let's go. To, yeah, uh, Masquerita hits a tilt-a-whirl DDT. Then a tilt-a-whirl guillotine choke rolls the choke through. <coughs> Speaking me. of choking. Choking hard, baby. Uh, Mama Spaghetti. I love, I've never seen this. Holds the guillotine choke, which is like just that standing headlock and he's kind of hanging off of him. Rolls that, holds the neck into a small package for the three at 439. I love that finish. I've never. I want to see more people use that finish. Mm-hmm. A guillotine choke into the small package. I shit. That was cool as hell. It was dope. How how, how painful is that? Like man, I'm being choked. I can't breathe. What do you mean? I just got pinned. Oh, everything's terrible. All of these matches are two thumbs up this this week. Yeah, Scrada looked great in that. And again, it's like the match is great. I did just want to harp on that because it's not. You could have given Sagrada more, and yeah. I think, I think, I think, based on his height, I think that's why I'm like, there is some, there might, there might have been some heightism in that decision to pick up his head. Yeah. Also, because they, and because they're both doing two different things at that time, it signals a lack of communication. Because Sagrada does kick out while Mariachi tries to lift the head. Whatever was supposed to happen there was they weren't both on the same page. Okay. But let's get on to this this interview that happens, right? Yeah, well, real quick, after the match that leads to this interview, Chavo Guerrero, you dog shit human being, you jump Masquerita, you lay him out. Oh, wait, that I forgot about that. Yeah, Chavo jumps Masquerita, lays him the fuck out, and Vampiro comes on and says, hey, Chavo just won me over 100,000%. And se- what? 
kicks him in the face. Ha 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 ha. He does like a weird laugh here. He's like, ha 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 ha. Yes. Uh, I was really doubtful. I don't know his motives. I didn't trust him, but I'm certainly in favor of him kicking that little guy in the head. <laughs> Impero has flipped the script. He's all Chavo, which means I'm all Chavo too. Vampiro, good point. Chavo is the best. I'm sorry about everything I've said before. Except then he's not sorry about everything he said before because they have this sit-down interview with a lot of quick cuts. Ooh, baby, did not enjoy yeah. that part. But Leah, they got a little, they tried to get a little too fancy uh, with this uh, sit-down with Vampiro and Chavo. And it starts out with saying like, hey, man, you're part of this legacy family, this, that, but you've been riding on the coattails of greatness, but you've never like in wherever you go, you don't really like stamp your foot down. And Chavo pretty much says is like, I'm done being a jobber, being your jobber in all of these things. I'm done being the person you get to beat up on. And I'm done putting my clothes in Ziploc bags before it goes <laughs> into my gym bag. That's true, because I shit in your bag every day, Chavo. I fucking hate you, you dumb son of a bitch. You tapped out. You tapped out. I sh That's my rule. You tap out, Vampiro is going to shit in your bag. Vampiro, mm -hmm. out. Sean, I, I have created a just a list that is by my monitor of all all of our like recurring bits that we've done so far on this show. I'm going to have to put down cloakism after the well, end a, of this. That's not a bit. That's a religion. Uh-huh. Um, I also love the way that Chavo addresses like you've been writing your coattails and Chavo's kind of like, yeah, that's I guess I kind of have. But oh, wait. My father's, my God, is Chavo Guerrero Sr. Are you kidding me? My uncle uh, is Eddie fucking Guerrero. Fuck, dude. My grandfather practically invented Lucha Libre. Or he, like, he, like he comes out as like, I'm not writing coattails. I just legitimately have the strongest family in the history of Lucha Libre. Yeah. Bro, who the fuck are you about it? Like, it's a lot of fun heat from Chavo here. He's like, sorry, I, what, I didn't co-star in Vampiro Night Warrior. Yeah, no, I really wanted to do on that set. I had a lot of shit to take and no, no one had a bag I could shit in, Chavo. I missed you there. I wish you could have co-starred with me. Mm -hmm. For the exclusive purpose of me shitting in your shitty fucking bag, you tap out jobber, son of a bitch. How fucking dare you tap out the Blue Demon Jr. My man, and Norman Smiley on set, he recently got into a new religion where they were just housing him fiber shits. Norman Smiley joined the cloakening, you beautiful, beautiful, technical catch-as-catch-can wrestler. God, I love Norman Smiley. And he, he just had to hold it in the entire time. Black magic for life. Yeah, and then uh, Vampiro kind of pivots to Blue Damon Jr. Why would you do that? Uh, Chavo, in a very ironic, I like it as a villain because I, it's very ignorant. He immediately accuses Damon of riding his father's coattails. Yeah. After, like, justifying my me writing my family's coattails, mm -hmm. yeah, but Blue Damon doesn't like a bitch, so he sucks, and I'm going to kill him. He's literally riding the, like, his image. That's what he's saying is, like, hey, I might be, the name yeah. might be attached to me, but he made the conscious decision to don the same mask as his father. Which is, like, a thing of great honor in Lucha Libre. Oh, yeah, then... <laughs> To receive a mask that's from someone as as huge as like that's huge. That's such a that's that's such a pass a literal passing of the torch. But again, 
He's disrespecting the uh, Chavo Guerrero's going down in one of these episodes Chavo. so hard because he is disrespecting the culture. And that, I believe, is the story they are telling. Absolutely. Chavo, you terrible son of a bitch. I would shit in your bag if you weren't cool with Vampiro. But mm -hmm. Vampiro says you're cool, so that's all right. Come, I'll, I'll, I'll save a glass of Fago for you at the next gathering, Chavo. There was a hatchet man behind... Uh, Hell Vampiro, yeah. did you see that? I didn't see that. The, Fuck yeah, let's go. To the point where I was like, is that Shaggy Too Dope sans face I paint? But I like when it was a little more non-pixelated, mm -hmm. I was like, no, that that doesn't seem like Shaggy Too Dope minus God. face paint. That's just a dude down with the fucking clown. Uh, we can cut to the next segment, if you're good. Yeah. Conan runs into Chavo in the halls. And this is where this gets very like kind of clearly set up. Shabo's uh, uh, going one way, Conan's going the other way. Lights are flickering. It's very creepy in the temple. Conan uh, kind of hits him with the, We go back a long time, Shabo. We're like family. Uh, however, and then he tips Chavo off to the La Familia. Someone we don't, I don't know anything about. We, don't, we have not met La Familia. As far as we know, no one in Lucha Underground is associated with the La Familia organization. But Conan, the legend, is scared of them. And he's scared of them on behalf of Chavo. They know what Chavo did to Blue Demon Jr. Oh, yeah, they are yeah. going to find out what Chavo did to Mascarita, uh, Mascarita Sagrada. And they are not going to be cool with that. Uh, so Conan's advice, Chavo needs to disappear. Because they are coming in jars. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, then Conan walks off, lights flicker. Mil Muertes is there. Oh, he my stares God. at Chavo. And then he walks away. We have a dapper Casper among us because this man is in a marvelous four-piece suit with like an oh, ascot yeah. or undershirt that is a beautiful silk purple. Oh my god. Also, and he's also built like a brick shit house. So it's not just a it's not just a dope suit. It is a hunk of a hunk of hunk of burning love in this beautiful suit and ascot. And he's got in he's got a dump truck you could eat a dinner plate off from. Absolutely. Several. That's a buffet of a dump truck if I've ever seen one. But he doesn't say anything. He just kind of stares at Chavo, then walks off. Lights flicker again. Katrina's there and she speaks for Mill. Uh, she tells Chavo, you took something that doesn't belong to you. You know he never forgets. And one day, someday... You, too, will belong to Mil Muertes. Lick. She also licks the side of Shabo's face. Which we get a somewhat explanation for it. Right, like, it jump cuts to the ring, I believe. And then they're talking like, eh, she she likes to lick the, get a taste for the opponent for him, maybe. I'm not sure, but I think it's erotic. Yeah, yeah, Matt Stryker is fucking hard on anytime Kat Katrina gets a whiff of the ring. It's it's very 2014. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but we do have a match coming up, and right before the match, I we get a new we get another promo video package, an introduction package for Mil Muertes, which I really liked. I forgot that this was his story. Oh yeah, this was cool. Uh, so. Uh, they go into detail on who is what happened to Mil Muertes. In September of 1985, an earthquake in Mexico City took thousands of lives, including Mill's family. And as a child, Mill was trapped under the rubble for days. Just, ab just absolutely stranded and abandoned, no family left. But he felt no fear. He felt comfort trapped in the rubble. Because Mil Muertes, 
does not find comfort in uh, pleasant blankets and nice tunes and a lovely granola snack. No, no, no. Mil Muertes finds comfort in death and coldness. A.K. he's an introvert. He is an introvert. This is true. This is, a, <laughs> is this just a metaphor for being an introvert? <laughs> the man of a thousand deaths really is just having a nice time at home. He's gothic as uh, hell, guys. He's gothic as hell. The, they, uh, they dropped a line, the earthquake, uh, the earthquake took Pascual Mendoza and from the ruins rose Mil Muertes. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's up and go. I was like, not sure about Mil. Mil Muertes' style is not my style. He's definitely more of a body guy. Uh, he's definitely more of a presence guy. But like, yo, with the stories like this, when this is the background, is that mm-hmm. he's not, oh, uh, and it's a perfect mix of like, there's something supernatural about him. But there's also like a very real, he's a child who lost his family. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, it El Cabong style. El Cabong style. <laughs> like, it hits, <laughs> it hits both so well for me. I'm like, really, again, I'm not even like, it's not my style, but I'm into this character. Wait, maybe that's uh, what the brick is for because he was like picking up like a, some sort wait, of stone. Brick. Oh, is the stone, maybe, maybe the stone is the brick. I think. I don't want to spoil it. I think this. I think that stone of the hanky turns into something else. Uh, but I'm not sure. But I'm not sure. He picked up some stone when he w- got out of the rubble, and then it like showed him as an older person with that same stone. Oh, then okay. I guess that's what it is. Okay, cool. And that's the stone that was in the hanky. It must have been. Yeah, that he was going to use on uh, Damon last week. Yeah. And death um, is a debt we must all pay unless you know how to uh, manipulate the bankruptcy system. Yep, li- lightningloans.com, sponsor of this episode. I don't know if that's a real thing. I hope it's not because they're not a sponsor. Was, no, they're not. I was trying to think of the thing from uh, the Pardo show that I could. I did not. Lightstream, uh, light, I think. Lightstream, god damn it. Fuck this joke. It's over. Ricky Mandel versus Mil Muertes. Ricky Mandel looks excited to be here, and that uh, makes me even sadder for him. <laughs> Ricky Mandel, I don't I you know when you, you you know when you see a deer frolicking in the woods and you see the wolf, but the deer doesn't see the wolf? They smell the wolf and they get horny because they want to fuck that wolf. What the fuck? No. No. <laughs> The point is, re- this is not like, the point I'm making. Why does that deer have a big ass heart that's, on right now? Let's break down. James, what did you think of this match? <laughs> what do you think of this story? Break down the story of this match for me. <laughs> uh, the story of the match is. Um, if you say a horny deer, I'll fucking, I'll kick you in the tooth. No, I think this is, again is like, I don't know the story of this match because it was kind of one sided for the most part of like this dude. No, it's the same as the last time. Like he is a machine. He is a monstrous villain that they are creating. And I don't know what I'm going to call it, but like the spot of the night or something along that. But I need a nice rhyme to go with it. You don't. (laughs) You think you do. You can just say spot of the night. It happens on this one. Which really? is, yes, okay. it's when Mendoza, is that what his name was? I had Mandel. I think it was Ricky Mandel. Ricky, Ricky Mandel. Uh, so yeah. he jumps off from the, the top rope and then Mill just does not move, waits, and then just decks him right in the face in the air. I was like, holy yeah. shit, that was amazing. It, it looked really cool. And it was such a, it's a very... 
it's not a complicated move, but just the confidence he had decking this man coming at him. Oh, baby, so good. Yeah. Uh, I also like uh, on uh, right before the match starts, uh, Mil Muertes does his uh, his pose, his kneel, his uh, his kneeling pose in the middle of the ring. Uh, Vampiro calls his gear and his style old school. He comes in, prays, beat you up, and that's that. And, my, and that's, yeah, that's exactly what Mil Muertes does. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, a lot of punches, a lot of chops. We're yeah. not seeing anything very technical from Mill. Uh, again, it's weird. He is an older guy, uh, the performer, but he's comparatively greener in the ring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but again, but like the presence is there. Now that we have the, the character there, also shouts out to Katri- uh, Katrina for talking and for like, Katrina, I think, kills it as far oh, as yeah. ballets go. She's they- like, She's top tier. She did a straight heel move when Mill was like arguing with the referee or whatever. She like pulls down on Ricky's hair on the ropes and looks back at the crowd and the crowd goes, yeah, that dude. And her timing on that was so because like that's you'll see sometimes they'll get a valet and maybe she's newer and like her timing is a little off and the referee has to pretend like I didn't just stare at you doing it that. Uh, Katrina's timing is phenomenal. I actually need to, I need to look her up. I need to see like, I don't, cause I don't know much about her, but she's, she's great. Like her timing's good. She moves well. She's talks very like her, the points she makes in promos, they're always very clear. They're always very intense. I like Katrina a lot. Yeah. Uh, and she, I want her to choke me on a rope as well. Cause, cause it's sexy to me. And that's the joke. Did you have any spots you wanted to highlight? Uh, not in this match, because uh, again, it's not. It's there's not a lot of like the punch was great. Yeah, uh, and like the punch being the moment. This match was all mill. Uh, in wrestling, we call uh, this would be known as kind of a squash, mm-hmm. where one dude clearly gets in all of his offense. There's not really a hope for the other guy. So like, so this, this yeah, Ricky is very much a sacrificial lamb, and I like Stri- Striker knows Ricky, so Striker is kind of be like, I've seen this guy. He definitely knows. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Striker's kind of going, like, yeah, I've seen this guy. He can definitely go. Like, And Ricky's faster. He's more agile. And Vampiro's response uh, is just, yeah, well. <laughs> then Bill <laughs> punches the shit out of him. Like, that's the thing. It's, if, you're, if you're a fan of, like, old school Undertaker, that's kind of where, because weird, Mark Calloway, like, especially like, in the early, late 80s, early 90s, could do a lot of cool flipping shit for a big guy. He was always a big guy, but he could do a lot. Uh, then he came to WWF. It was like you're the Undertaker now, and they just kind of like okay, so punches, kicks, and staring imposingly, and magic, and magic. But that's but that's exactly it. The more the less you do, the more the magic kind of speaks for itself, and that's mo- that's what Mills got going for him. Yeah, and it's very cool. It's not again not my scene, but definitely very cool. Mill hits the flatliner, secures the three in two minutes thirty nine seconds, and then after the match, Katrina licks Ricky. Striker comes in his pants oh. very audibly. And then uh, Katrina and Mill make out over the body of Ricky Mandel. He says, Oh, where's where's Chavo's bag? I need to wipe this down. Yo, you want to fucking come in Chavo's bag? No, that's okay with me. Fuck. Oh, well, you know, again, I like Chavo now. Please don't come in Chavo's bag, Matt Striker. I am Vampiro. I love Chavo. I'm not going to come in his bag. I already came. I just need something to dry myself off with. Well, that seems respectful. And the Lucha way. 
As long as no one's shit in it already. As long as nobody, as long as nobody's shat in that cum, you can do whatever you want with it. Castro and Cisco are standing guard outside of Cueto's office. And this is and this is where we talked about before. Like, where exactly is his office? Uh-huh. That's why I think I think there's two doors. I think there's one door that leads to the arena, mm-hmm. and then one door that leads to the backstage hallway. So, so then that has to be, is that the lower or the upper office? I guess it would have to be lower. All right. So I'm assuming a lot of it happens underground, but I don't know. All right. But yeah, so yeah, they're standing out guard. Uh, Cisco's like, yeah, man, we hit him with a chair. That was fucking sick, dude. Uh, and Johnny Mundo walks up. Oh my God, guys. We need Johnny Mundo on this show so I can ask him, where did you get those abs? Johnny Mundo is the greatest architect of all time because he invented the aqueducture system with those cum gutters. Ooh. He's carrying around. Then Sean can say, how can I move those abs to my smooth ass brain? Wait, what? That's a joke you said on the first episode, and it's it's written on here (laughs) as one of the recurring bits because it's come up in all the episodes so far. Oh, my smooth, my smooth ass brain did not hold on to that information. Anyway, Mundo's here. He wants to see quite though. And Cisco and Castro's like, nah, dude, absolutely not. Maybe with a password. God, dude, it's so it's so 1980s action. Yes, because he says. I got, got your, your password, password right, right here. here. <laughs> shit. And a great fight. Honestly, like, again, one of the cool things about uh, Lucha Underground and Johnny Mundo, uh, Johnny Nitro, uh, John Morrison, a good looking fight on camera fight scene. Like, um, like um, one that, and one that goes on for a minute. But like, I like, as far as fight scenes go, I really liked this fight scene. Dude's kicking off walls. Dude's blocking punches. Like it's a very, it's a narrow hallway. So that's also like one of the things that gives him the advantage mm-hmm. in a fight of two on one. Uh, but a great look, like yeah, like that. Yeah, John John Morrison can do Hollywood fight scenes. The dude can wrestle. The dude can parkour. The dude can hit cheesy '80s action movie lines. John, get get those cum gutters over here, John Morrison, forever and forever. Amen. And the way and the fight scene ends with him just beating the like I think I think he backhands Castro and Castro's fucking limp, shitty body falls onto the door and it opens and Cueto's like, uh? it's awesome. It's so that's how do I open this door with your man's fucking shitty dead body? Give me what I want. Quito immediately sort of just like coward. And again, like playing into the characters on cocaine. Very scared. Very like, oh, I'm sorry. What do you want? Oh, I love you. Oh, I'll give you the rematch. Mundo, uh, and I love it. And Mundo plays it cool. Just like, nah, man, we're cool. The past is the past. We're good. You want violence? I'll give you violence. Give me Big Rick next week, and I'll give you all the violence you've ever needed. And Quito's fuck. Quito pulls a mad striker, comes in his pants. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Next week, you and Big Rick. And Mundo's like, cool, great. See ya. Goes to leave, turns one shoulder. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you know how to turn around cool, that's the you're killing it. Does the cool gives a great turnaround over the shoulder after I'm done with Big Rick? You're next. Nervous Cueto gives the wipe, gives the gives a wipe of the mouth, and we uh Cut again to Cueto's office. Yeah, I think, very I think there was weird. a commercial break. Yeah. yeah, there might have been a commercial break in here. 
And it's Big Rick. Big Rick's uh, being handed one stack of cash, demands a second stack of cash. I don't fight for free. And it's like, you have a stack of fucking cash. It's all hundred bills. Yeah. Also, what is your contract? Yeah. yeah, You don't fight for free, but I feel like you get, didn't you get paid? What contract did you sign? I have no idea. But uh, Cueto pays. He wants Johnny Mundo in the hospital. Uh, And Big Rick is is the big man to do it. He's an ambulance who's going to do it. Absolutely. We get our fourth pack up uh, uh, Prince Puma package in three weeks. I'm counting. I think I'm counting this as the fourth. Are you? How do you feel? Because that's a lot in three weeks to have four Prince Puma packages. I like Prince Puma. I just want more of him. You know what? Same here. I was like, when I saw it was going to be a fourth, I'm like, oh no, they're going to. And then like, you know what? Oh, I'm still good. Because it's like visually cool. He's awesome. I like him. He's. He moves awesome. Uh, he has Conan, too, and Conan's... I like seeing Conan on TV. I don't really like him. That's fair. Well, what do you mean? He's the only friend Prince Puma has. If it wasn't for Conan, he would have no friends. No, he's manipulating that boy. Oh, no. That sweet I, prince. Well, I hope, that we, I, I hope that doesn't come to light in a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's L.A., Los Angeles, 6.12 in the morning. Prince Puma rides his motorcycle into a trading warehouse... Uh, Conan's on on the uh, voiceover. He has fought all his life, actually all his lives. This mask has been passed down the generations. It has not. This mask was invented for this show. This mask, uh, Prince Puma was never a wrestler. But it sounds cool, and I'm sorry to poke a hole. It's just when you do have so much like actual legacy masks, Mm -hmm. uh, including... Pentagon Jr. is another legacy mask. Oh. And then, and then like, it's it's weird when you, pay, this is one of those like Americanisms, probably a Mark Burnett idea of like, well, we should have our own mask, but it's television. If we say it's a legacy mask, they'll buy it. And it's like, oh, there's so much, there's, you have so much respect to drop the ball here feels weird, but it's fucking ricochet. It's Prince Puma. And it's again, fine. if you disrespect the culture, it'll come back at you in the form of a lawsuit that the wrestlers gave to the producers. <laughs> Which we will get to, uh, and I, I love, I love they, 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 every. If you were a kid, and like, I, I, I love like a good one line. I think we talked about last week a good one line that sums up this entire cute that can sum up an entire person, right? The he does this for his ancestors who died fighting for their tribe, and all the assholes who said he'd never make anything of his life, immediately tying the past to the present. He's doing this for the respect of his ancestors, for the honor, the tradition, but also fuck you guy for all the fuck you guys who are bullying him in the schoolyard and shit. Mm-hmm. I love, I loved, and that's, that's a, I feel like that's a big key to Prince Puma is the tying in of the tradition as well as the modern. I hear El Cabong got bullied a lot for not having parents. Yeah, I would, I bully that fucking nerd. That shitty kid doesn't even have parents. That's what I heard. And we go to our main event. God, this is so fucking good. The three luchadors Conan brought in. Cueto wants to see who is the best. It is Drago versus Pentagon Jr. versus Phoenix. Dude, Drago looks like it was an old ride. It's no longer there because a Harry Potter fied it. But dueling dragons at Islands of Adventure, it gives off those dragon vibes mixed with a little bit of, I don't know what, like 80s movie, like special effects and Legend of Dragoon. It's all three of those mixed together. So badass. 
dude. The, he has like this. I remember when I first started watching Lucha Underground, Drago was the one I was immediately tied to. His Lucha mask is scaly. It's mm-hmm. scaly like a dragon. He's got like he's got black he's got black ooze coming from his mouth. He looks so intense. Uh, visually, this guy is striking, and his fighting style's great. I it's yeah, so all good. Of them, all of them have are really really talented fighters. I like Vampiro kind of breaks it down. Pentagon Jr. Uh, you can see the black and white on his gear. He embraces the yin and the yang, the good and the evil. Phoenix is the future of Lucha Libre. And Drago, he's got like a cool Gene Simmons tongue. <laughs> ah. Oh, no, I'm Vampiro. Fucking Chavo's the best. See, let's start the match. Uh, <laughs> they ring the bell and everyone, get, everyone gets super kicked except Pentagon. I, I, yes. I do have a story for this one. Please. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. The, the story is missed texts and notifications because you forgot <laughs> anything else. You are so captivated by what is on screen. This is, there is, it's so funny. Uh, there is like some of the internet wrestling community and Jim Cornette. It's like real like, all oh, this flippy shit. There's no story. There's no time and there's pacing. And like, it's well, it's true, especially the Americans. You can do spot for spot, but you can also, if, if you're not, like, this is what happens when you kind of only watch one style of wrestling or one area of wrestling. Like, Memphis had great wrestling, but if you're not familiar with what's going on in Lucha Libre in Mexico, like, this, there is absolutely a story here, but the story starts at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Like, that's, like that's, that's part of it, and it looks fucking great. The first thing that happens, everyone tries to kick everyone's face off, and Pentagon Jr. is the only one who's still standing. So he follows up with a goddamn suicida, and it looks beautiful. Can I say something real quick? Please. Jim Cornette ain't no JC to us, the Cloakans. No, no, no. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Jesus Cloaca is the only JC I acknowledge. Uh huh. And JC Chavez. I think actually, like for the lucha stuff, we should say Jesus Cloaca. Jesus Cloaca is my man. This match is insane. This match has so many beautiful spots, and it's the story of it's such it's such a simple story, and it can be told to death. But it's a new company, and it's a simple story because there is there's something so human about honor. There is no, you know, the the money has already been decided. This company doesn't even have belts yet. But they brought us all in saying that we're the best three luchadors in AAA. They were all all working AAA before this as as they're brought in. I think Phoenix had just come back from Japan. Like, yeah, we're the best AAA has to offer, but only one of us can be the best. And that means something. That that, I, I put so much heart and passion into this work. Yeah, I want to be the best. And it's a beautiful triple threat match. I, I think the reason I didn't pick a spot of the night is because my spot of the night is somewhere in this match. I, I, it's uh, to me uh, was like a close second was when I believe it was Phoenix. Was it Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix is on the ropes and an- another person grabs him, but he like mm-hmm. starts like doing acrobatics like tight roping dancing yes. on the top moving his feet jumping from one rope to the other and gets over on the other guy beautifully done so mm-hmm. amazing if you're familiar with AEW or uh Phoenix's other work the springboard arm drag which and again this is it, it's it's become such a staple actually we don't I don't know if he he'll probably do it in Lucha Underground there's another really cool thing he does on the top rope. Uh, I hope I hope he gets to. 
Uh, but it's so weird because again, I mean, like he's in AEW. Pentagon and uh, Phoenix are in AEW. Uh, they've been there since day one, and so we've kind of gotten used to like this springboard arm that that springboard arm drag. But this is the first time it's been on American television, and I feel like all over this match, a lot of a lot of the audience reactions and a lot of it, I'm just kind of like, God, this is the first time people are seeing this since like. Since like WCW mid nineties, late nineties with Rey Mysterio, you know Eddie Guerrero, De Malenko, the that scene, but like nobody, even none of them were doing three jumps on the ropes to then leap over and roll and arm drag their opponent. Like no one, that you know triple jump spot that Phoenix does is it's beautiful to this day, and it's so cool to see it for the first time on American television. Yeah. Was it then Phoenix? Phoenix like leaves for a little bit, right? Was that Phoenix? That uh, you mean leaves the ring? Yeah, yeah. I think they all do. I think. I mean, at some point, uh, one of the common things in triple threats, it's hard to throw three punches, two punches at the same time. So, uh, like a common thread will be like, uh, and I got the shit kicked out of me, so I'll roll out for a little bit, and then I did. And then uh, yeah. But, I mean, he straight up leaves. Like he goes up the stairs, right? Oh yeah, Ooh, yeah. We gotta talk about that spot too. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's not that Drago has some great shit. Uh, Pentagon has some awesome shit. Phoenix though has like some of the coolest shit in the world in this match. I started screaming. I was like, "They're going EC dub on us, dude!" So Phoenix climbs the fucking office. Yeah, and that, so it's it's like a story and a half, maybe like two full stories, mm-hmm. and then just jumps. And, like, it, my friends, like, Cord, Tyler, that group of people, whenever things like that happen in wrestling, we just go, oh, my God, he just died. He straight up killed himself. (laughs) Phoenix fucking dies uh, by jumping on to the floor, from the office to the floor on Pentagon and Drago, and it's fucking insane Mm -hmm. the crowd lights up somewhere paul Heyman has the last boner of his life because the heart of extreme lives on in lucha and the temple daddy let's fucking go it's so dude like that's the thing like everyone is amazing in this match phoenix is there is something very there's something very special about phoenix i forgot phoenix comes in so early I cannot wait for Prince Puma and Phoenix. I have to. I have to assume that happens at some point, and I'm gonna come like Matt Stryker in his pants. We see uh, Drago, Drago's leaping neckbreaker looks brutal. Pentagon has that pump handle driver where he's they're on he, they're on his shoulders and he flips them over so that by the time the guy lands, his head is under Pentagon's leg. Oh yeah, leg. there's so much crazy shit in this one. Yeah, Drago tries to roll up Phoenix. Phoenix tries to roll him up again so that it's Phoenix's pin, but instead Pentagon's behind him and fucking just hits him with a backstabber. And I'm like, that's uh and I love oh my gosh, and then Pentagon goes, starts hitting these overhand chops on Drago. And I love it because you see this one white guy in their front row who just has that, I thought this was fake look on his face. <laughs> and I love that. I love that look. That's the holy shit, I came in because it was freaked. Oh my God! They just murdered that little dragon man. <laughs> oh no! It's so good. This match is this match is crazy from top to, to from top to the bottom, and I'm on it. Uh, you you know, like Hong Kong 
martial like kung fu movies were always like insane because they like really hit hard. I'd love to see Hong Kong professional wrestling if they like hit that hard and they're that stylized. Like so, yeah. people send us videos if that exists out there. Yeah, I don't know much about wrestling in China. I know it's not huge, huge, but I remember there's a couple tours a little while ago of uh, like some American indie guys going to China and crowds being very receptive. Yeah. Like, the scene's not big, but there are fans. There's definitely want there. Like mid-90s is what I'm looking for. Mid-90s professional uh, wrestling in Hong Kong. If it exists, yeah. guys, send me what the best is. <laughs> are you ready to wrap this match up? Oh, yes. wait, actually, real quick, my spot of the night. And, uh, oh, my gosh, let me just find it real quick because this shit blew my mind. Yeah, okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's Penta and Phoenix. So I think, yeah, I think Phoenix is running towards Penta. Uh, a pop-up powerbomb is, uh, you know how normally like a powerbomb starts, your head's in my crotch, and then I kind of just pick you up from there? Yeah. A uh, pop-up is like literally you're running, you, you, I, and I just throw you up from, from a standing position. I throw you in the air. That's a pop-up powerbomb. Mm -hmm. Penta goes for the pop-up powerbomb on Phoenix. Instead, Phoenix creates distance by doing a full front flip a full-ass front flip from a Papa Barbomb position into the head scissors. And there was so much... Do you, do you remember this spot? Yeah. The air, the amount of air and space in this move, it like, it looked like the man was flying with the power of Lucha Libre. And I loved it. I loved it. The air, the spacing, the visuals... This pop-up power bomb into the head scissors. I came like my name was Matt Stryker. I shit my pants like my pants were Chavo's bag. James, I could not. This was beautiful. It's great. And then I guess we'll move into the finish of the match, which I oh, was so cool. So also, I don't know if I, I'll, yeah, I'll say it. Uh, it does. I don't think they're playing into it in this story, or at least I don't think we as the audience know. Do you mind? I guess light spoilers. Uh, so skip ahead because I don't know if this comes up at all. But in real life, Pentagon Jr. and uh, Ray and Phoenix, Ray Phoenix, are brothers. Okay, they grew up together. Yeah, Pentagon is the older brother. So, well, of course the they grew up together. Oh right, yeah, because they're brothers. That's true. You don't know. Maybe one of them was like in the attic, like that Bart Simpson clone. Okay, that wasn't a clone. Yeah. That was his actual twin. That's what I said. Uh, Absolutely so. not. <laughs> uh, match as drag goes down. Uh, Phoenix gets on the shoulders of uh pentagon and i've seen it i've seen this move before i've never seen it with playful head slaps like he plays his head like a bongo then reverse hurricane rana aka poison rana the big difference between a hurricane rana and a poison rana is that a poison rana you dump them directly on their head dumping hits them with the one two three that's the celebration crowd erupts dumped from the same hole that you would also piss out of I fucking get him with that cloaca poison rana style, baby. So good. And again, I just love the little playful. Like that's why I was like, that's why I want to bring up the brother's spot because like that's the thing. If you didn't know a wrestler very well, you get backstage and you're like, what the fuck are you doing to me? <laughs> but he's just like, no, you're my shit little brother. Fuck you for playing my head like a bongo before you drove it to hell and back. Yeah. Uh so yeah, Phoenix is the greatest luchador out of Mexico, according to this match. He celebrates the crowds of fucking the crowd gets, I mean, and it's a studio audience, so they are they are kind of there to be louder. They, are, they know they're on camera. That said, man, they, 
they, several moments, they're just like, what the fuck? Because again, yeah. we've never, no one's doing this. WWE and the PG, not, is PG also because they're slowing down their match style? Uh, TNA was fucking bringing in Hulk Hogan in 2010. Like no one in America is doing this style. Uh, and to do and to do it in such a clean technical, like all three, like nobody is hitting these moves like Prince Puma, like Ray Phoenix, like Pentagon Junior, like Drago. Like these, it's not just exciting high spot moves. It's also very clean and technical. And I, I love that there's, there's no like after the match jumping. Nobody's like, oh, and Chavo comes out with a chair. It's like, no, this was just the coolest shit you've ever seen. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Uh, the, we do get one like post credit or during credit scene, which is just mm-hmm. the owner saying, oh, I'm going to do it next week. And then it ends. I think the lines is Mundo thinks he can threaten me. I will not be threatened by anyone, not even you. And then we see a shadow and we hear some heavy breathing. So he's talking to someone that I'm assuming it's not Mil Muertes because we've seen Mil Muertes. They just would have shown Mil Muertes. Yeah. But we did get heavy breathing and a shadow. So somebody knew is coming. Ooh. Which is cool because, and I love them, we've had four Prince Puma promos. You can't put an, <laughs> you can't put an introductory Prince Puma promo on every show. But this was great. By the way, that match was seven, uh, seven minutes, 47 seconds, which doesn't feel. They get so much in and it flies by and oh, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I like, yeah, this was great. Definitely recommend this episode. Definitely recommend seeking out that uh, three-way, that triple threat. And just just to hear Americans for the first time going, oh, shit, Lucha Libre got real good since the 90s. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Hold on. I was I was, I was sitting here watching The Boogeyman, and I love The Boogeyman. But I was sitting here watching The Boogeyman when fucking this existed. Oh, no. The time I've missed. Oh. So good. So good. But Sean, that's the end of the show. So what you got to plug? Yo, you know me. I'm I'm uh uh, uh first of all, cloakenism. The yeah. uh, get yourself cloakened. Uh, join the cloakening. Uh, we'll figure out the details later. Second of all, Norman Smiley, he's still great. Third of all, uh, Twitch.tv slash GooseVK. Uh, see me do shit on Twitch, baby. Kisses. Hey guys, go over to patreon.com forward slash MLM pod, where for $5 a month, you get exclusive podcasts every single Friday. And if you're a $10 patron, you get even more exclusive content once a month. And on every single free feed podcast, you get a shout out for your name and you can give me whatever name you want, as long as it's not offensive. So let's begin with that. I almost forgot. Uh, What do you have to plug? That's what I'm doing right now. Starting with Steve F. Uh, fun. Eric Berry of Ranger Command Power Hour. Rock and roll, dude. Alex Z, the Waz. Uh, fun. Orion, he's a rapper, Defo, D-F-O. Rock and roll, dude. Kayla, a.k.a. Two Grapes. Uh, fun. Jordan B, the Chaos Witch. Rock and roll, dude. Joshua Jakus, my brother in common law. Uh, fun. Steve Barnes, intro void. Rock and roll, dude. My mother. <laughs> uh, fun. And Lil Corey's BFF and roommate, Shane. Rock and roll, dude. Hey, guys, I'm going to put my newest single with Howard Kramer, a.k.a. Dragon Boy Suede, at the end of this. It's called Exploding Load, available wherever music is found. My name is James. I'm Sean. And we've been sweaty, bitch. Sweaty times pro wrestling, biatch. Bye. Hell yeah. All right. Thank you. Indeed, the facts show that his regime are concealing their efforts to produce more weapons of mass destruction. Dragon Boy Suede, here we go. At her abode, I blew a load. It landed down the and exploded. Every day, the carnage grows. 
gold painted by the queens I slay. Yo, I blast them all blast, scream the screams I raise. On the land from the capital, CIA. For my valuable, flammable, penal spray. Yeah, running from the gov, I'm perplexing pain. Cause my sex projects webbing hexagen. Screaming A, kept ray bands, dragging from my bang gland. Checking glass caps, use your flag as my main rag. Me, my partner in slime from the Epson in Sitch School. Harder than lime gets these fledgling fringe fools. These scholars who list piss as a catalyst to singe gruel. The Molotov mist of the medicine minge pool. Estrogen explodes from this minx fly by. It's a feminine fallout with a pink eye sobs. Yo, this time will death and quick with a riptide thrive. See, 9 11 bitch was the quick side job. Exploding load, explode, blow. Exploding load, exploding load, explode, blow. This bomb we have now added a new and revolutionary increase. It is a harnessing of the basic power of the universe. The force from which the sun draws its power has been loose. That's what I'm doing right now, starting oh, with okay. Steve F. Hold on, give me two seconds and cut that out. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Fuck, 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 fuck. I'm a piece of shit, and I know it. It was Vampiro, and... Shit, what was the, the vampiro quote I wanted to use here? And this is, I've ruined this bit. I wanted to bring back the bit where I bring something in between. And it was that vampiro quote about, uh, oh, it was the rock and roll quote. All right. God, I'm so sorry. Thank it's you so much. It's fun and rock and roll. It's fun and rock and roll. I could have just asked you that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you make, thank you. You may continue. Well, don't you want to say rock and roll or fun to, oh, yeah. so I can plug that uh, into Steve F? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 